You're listening to BAU, Business as Unusual, the podcast that speaks to the people behind the movements, organisations and ideas that are shifting the way we think, interact and transact. Um, So today we're joined by Stefan Valhurst, who is the co-founder and chief research and development officer of the Governance Laboratory, um, the GovLab, at um, New York University, NYU, an action uh, research center focused on improving governance using advances in science and technology, including data and collective intelligence. He's also, among other things, uh, he's the editor-in-chief um, of Data and Policy at Cambridge University Press, and he's also a research director at the MacArthur Research Network on Opening Governance, and he's also um, a chair of Data for Children uh, Collaborative with UNICEF. So he's a bit... But yeah. The conversation we just had really distilled a lot of that information. I think you can get lost in someone's bio very often, but mm. this gives a lot of context to where the conversation of data is at and where it needs to head in terms of answering some of the bigger questions that we should have of it and sort of positioning where the questions are being asked of it right now, and that is mainly extracting value and retaining at the moment customers. It's coming from a corporate versus private yeah, and they're yeah. trying to be the the data steward and trying to create that conduit between the two and ask and help solve some of the bigger questions that this generation has to solve. Yeah, and it's it's. I mean, I really really enjoy kind of Stefan's perspective and his work. Most importantly, in creating a framework to to look at these things and this notion, I think that he unpacks throughout this conversation about that we live in an incredibly um, data rich world, but it's actually that we're quite question poor. So really, what he poses to us all, and I think as Patrick, you say it's a it's the it's a generational challenge now about how when we have this thing that you know he uses various ways to describe it around this kind of this exhaust fume of data that is kind of you know in some ways it's a pollutant at the moment without actually using it to answer the questions that we actually need to answer. So what he really advocates for is a framework of kind of question questioning as he kind of um, frames it up for us and then also how um, the role of kind of um, stewards and stewardship um, particularly as you know you're pointing out already Pat that you know it's on the corporate side kind of coming back so it's an incredibly um, you know interesting conversation he's a he's a great man and he joins us from uh, beautiful snowy uh, New York City Stefan, thanks so much for coming on the show. And first off, where where do we find you today? So can you put the listeners a little bit into the kind of, um, we had a bit of a chat off air, but if you can have a chat about kind of just where we find you today um, and just paint as a picture of um, life currently um, in New York. Great. Well, thanks for having me. Um, so I'm here at uh, New York University, but uh, uh, we are based at the engineering school, which is based in uh, Brooklyn. And so I'm physically in Brooklyn at the moment uh, in Metrotech, which is uh, close to Brooklyn Heights. And uh, we are in the midst of um, winter. Uh, I mean, February is always nasty in uh, New York. And so uh, there's no change uh, this year, so we've had a lot of snow, and obviously uh, we are also still dealing with um, COVID-19, but um, cases are down, and uh, last week we started again 
having an option to uh, indoor dining, but um, this is still very limited uh, as such, and um, uh, everyone is hoping that uh, the vaccination process that is uh, that has been going on is uh, ramping up so that uh, everyone will ultimately uh, get a level of immunity so that we can go back to uh, a new normal. Fantastic. And one of the other things that you know has come through um, 2020 and into 2021 is really this emerging um, debate around the role of um, data data collection. And you know, I'm particularly interested in getting your take on this notion around kind of data stewardship um, to start off the conversation. Mm-hmm. So, if you can explain the term and kind of how you see that, mm-hmm. and how you then see that it's kind of importance fitting into a world, you know, particularly even things like COVID, for example, where um, um, you know, mm-hmm. quite frequently, for example, here in Australia, everywhere you go, you now actually have to check in um, to say that you've actually been there. So the kind of the record of data um, is becoming more and more mm-hmm. substantial. Mm-hmm. So this idea of stewardship, if you could speak to our listeners mm-hmm. about the concept and then how it actually applies through kind of a real world example, such as COVID or another example, if you like. Sure. Um, so, so yeah, so we've been uh, looking at data stewardship, mainly within the context, of course, of our mission. So at GovLab, we are an action research center uh, focused on how do we transform the way we make decisions in the public interest using technology and science. And specifically, one of the areas that we've looked in uh, is, of course, how do we unlock and use data in a responsible way in order to improve the way we make decisions in the public interest, whether this is at the local level, such as how do we improve the way cities are uh, operating vis-a-vis, for instance, transportation, waste collection, or any other kind of city challenge that uh, uh, might be important to address, but also at the national and, of course, the global level, including uh, global pandemics. Now, a key element that we um, have sought to address is added data age, Uh, much of the data that you would want to use in order to improve decisions happens to reside elsewhere uh, outside of your organization. And uh, that is the uh, one of the key challenges of the 21st century, which is how do we tap into the supply of data that is quite often collected for one purpose and start using that for another purpose, including and of course, uh, public interest purposes, so that we can improve people's lives by actually leveraging the data that is being collected. Now, obviously, there are huge challenges doing so, including challenges from a privacy uh, point of view, but also challenges, for instance, on how do we make sure that uh, data is being accessed in a responsible way that is not uh, undermining, for instance, the uh, credibility and reputation of the organizations that are sharing the data. Now, this is uh, what we believe is an area where we need to innovate from an institutional and a partnership point of view. And so we have been working on the creation of data collaboratives, uh, which are new kinds of public-private partnerships where the private sector provides access to some of their data that they have collected uh, quite often as a result of um, certain kinds of transactions in order to inform public interest decisions, such as, for instance, indeed, 
to what extent does uh, COVID-19 um, uh, interventions have an impact on mobility? And so, for instance, one example of a data collaborative is where the European Commission is working together with uh, most of the telecom operators in Europe at the moment where they have access to telecom data, i.e. call detail records, in order to really understand mobility patterns within the European context and how that shifts as a result of changes in COVID-19 policies, such as lockdowns, for instance, and how that ultimately uh, can be used in order to uh, tackle COVID-19 moving forward. So that's just one example of a data collaborative that uh, uh, has emerged as a result of COVID-19. Now, the big challenge in setting up data collaboratives is that quite often we don't really know who we should engage uh, with regard to the data that corporations or public organizations possess. And so that's where we have been calling for a new kind of profession, a new position or a new function within organizations that possess data or need data, uh, which we call chief data stewards or data stewards. And so those data stewards are individuals or teams that have a mandate to respond to solicitations about their data in a systematic, sustainable, and responsible way, by which we mean that there has to be a clear and transparent process on how solicitations are being addressed so that we actually know what was requested and how was the request ultimately addressed, but also uh, what we know, how was it then done in a responsible way, i.e. what were the policies that um, um, allowed for the sharing, but also provided for protection, uh, including uh, unauthorized use and also, for instance, protection against discrimination of the use of uh, the data, and how do you do this in a sustainable way. And so that's the concept of a data steward or data stewardship, where you not only try to protect data from being abused, but you also proactively think about what would be the potential value of using the data for public interest purposes if we can figure out a way to do so in a responsible way. And so I hope this uh, gives you an insight in what we mean by data stewardship and also gives you an insight that this is an emerging uh, position uh, that quite often is not fully addressed by, for instance, a chief data officer, which is uh, likely to be a person within an organization that looks into how do we leverage internal data sets for internal purposes, but we do need to have a data steward who can also think about external purposes, including, and of course what we are interested in, purposes such as improving decision-making and people's lives as a result. You're listening to BAU, Business as Unusual, the podcast that speaks to the people behind the movements, organisations and ideas that are shifting the way we think, interact and transact. Your hosts, Patrick Beggs of Per Production. 
a production house that works with organisations to create media that strengthens culture and communicates that culture to the world. And Joe Rogers, CEO of The Contenders, a brand agency famous for crafting brands which deliver results for those who work for them, shop for them and support them. For more information, head to baupod.co. And if you find this podcast insightful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to our conversations. That public interest is very important with the data steward and you're really trying to build that bridge outside of organisations and trying to break the echo chamber of, I suppose, data use. I was wondering where you think, because one of the main purposes of the data assembly, at least from the out, is to radically transform the public debate on data. Where is the debate now and where does it need to be for this to for this change to be enacted and for data stewards to become um, stock standard? Right. Well, meaning the data debate, of course, has evolved. And, of course, anyway, everyone has become um, familiar with the term big data and then ultimately the data exhaust uh, as a result of all the apps and uh, transactions that are taking place in a digital environment. And one could say that, anyway, one of the biggest uh, outcomes of the digital transformation has been more data. Uh, the fact that every sector, including the public sector, uh, has moved into the digital era means that most observations are now being recorded in a digital format that can be used uh, uh, and stored, uh, and ultimately knowledge can be generated from that. Now, typically, that has uh, that debate has gone from, on the one hand, the hype, where everyone thought that data can solve every problem, to ultimately hysteric uh, reactions, especially in the context of, of course, Cambridge Analytica, where data from Facebook was abused in order to influence elections or referendum, for instance. And so where we really need to go is uh, moving beyond hype and hysteric uh, reactions and become more sophisticated to really understand what is data good for, where does it fail to uh, deliver, and what are ways to actually leverage data in a responsible way so that we don't have the harms that uh, we already have seen when data is being abused. And that sophistication is highly needed uh, because to a large extent we are investing and uh, um, collecting data in a um, in an increased speed and increased volume, but to a large extent, we are actually not really benefiting from that data as we should. Uh, and so, absent that kind of sophistication, we really are missing out and are basically creating toxic waste as opposed to a new asset class that uh, um, could be used for public interest objectives. Now, important is also that it's that data, and that's uh, uh, the sophistication that we need to have, that data ultimately has no value beyond being able to answer mm. questions. Which leads us to your next strong point, and that is that we've created voids of huge data, and where we're at right now is just this 
chasm of huge data when it's come from commercial use. Correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of the big data set has mm-hmm. just come from commercial use transactions that are really just being asked the question very simple is how do we extract the most value and retain customers' loyalty, really, when you boil it down. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the main question now and that you're pushing for is the new science of questioning and which you were leading there now, but mm-hmm. it, it just stood out to me. The, the science of questioning, I love asking questions, but um, this is obviously a lot more. Can you talk a, a lot about mm-hmm. that to us? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and thanks for highlighting that. And indeed, um, as I mentioned, the, the value of data depends on the questions one seeks to answer. And, uh, and indeed, uh, much of the questions that uh, uh, data scientists have sought to answer are more in the commercial space, such as how do we optimize advertising uh, based upon a personal profile and then match that with uh, uh, personal targeted advertising. Well, obviously, that's not the most exciting, let alone uh, beneficial, societal beneficial applications. And so in order for us as a society to really make progress in leveraging data, we not only have to focus on the supply of data, we actually have to focus on the demand for answering uh, uh, questions uh, using the data. And so what we have uh, worked on is indeed, how do we develop not only data science, but also a science of questioning, where uh, society becomes far more sophisticated in formulating the questions that matter to them and then connect that with the data assets that might be available or could be made available in order to make progress vis-a-vis those questions. And so uh, what we have launched uh, is basically an initiative which we call the 100 Questions Initiative where we are trying to um, rethink how as a society we identify the questions that matter that could be answered by data and could be transformative if we generate insight vis-a-vis those questions. And so how we work is by basically developing what we call cohorts of bilinguals, which are individuals that possess a certain domain expertise, but also uh, a certain data expertise. And then we source that cohort in order to uh, get their questions that they believe are crucial to make progress on, and also where they believe data could actually be leveraged because not all questions, of course, are data questions. And then we rank that, and then subsequently we end up with 10, for instance, in each domain. And so, so far, we've had uh, migration, we have gender, future of work, air quality, disinformation, and so on. Uh, And for each domain, we work with uh, key partners such as the European Commission or the OECD or the UN Foundation or Asia Foundation, for instance. And and once we have collected those questions, we rank them and then subsequently have a public conversation on which ones should be prioritized or which ones did we forget. So that's one way to have a more participatory way of formulating questions. But then the second element is that we also try to uh, really develop a taxonomy of questions so that we really know what are the type of questions that actually data can answer. And that taxonomy is then the second part of our new science where we really say, okay, 
there are four categories where data can make a progress ranging from becoming smarter about the situation, such as, for instance, becoming smarter about the level of infections when it comes to COVID-19, to ultimately uh, becoming smarter about what was the root cause so that we not only describe reality but also can explain it and then subsequently predict what might happen and also assess what interventions work. And so these are like the four categories of, of questioning. And if we would um, expand that and everyone would have the permission to start formulating questions as opposed to focus automatically on the data, we would probably be in a better situation to actually leverage the data and also have more of a social license to use the data because we would have consensus on what is it that we want to do. Fantastic. And Stefan, um, so a two-part question for me. Um, I'm really interested in, um, you know, you're kind of what what brought you here um, today. So, I mean, obviously you're, you're looking at this, um, I would describe it as this intersection between kind of, um, you know, a social policy world and a kind of a, a data computer science world. But just your story mm -hmm. about actually what brought you um, to this to this point in, in your career. So what was the kind of the interest that's driven that? And then the second part to the question is, where do you actually see this all heading? So, um, you know, the notion that we're becoming more data rich, yeah. but as you as you kind of describe it, I think in your questioning piece is that we're asking less sophisticated questions in some ways as we kind of um, become more data rich. So again, I'm I'm interested in kind of where you mm -hmm. start to see mm -hmm. this this all heading. Um, so a two part question: If you can talk to us mm -hmm. about kind of what's brought you here and where you actually see this going from uh, from this point in time. Yeah, well, initially I did a lot of work. So, um, so I'm initially from Belgium, but uh, um, moved to the UK to set up a few um, uh, and help set up a few centers initially in Glasgow and then subsequently uh, in uh, uh, at Oxford University, where I founded, uh, uh, co-founded a center that looked on um, information and communications uh, law and policy. And so initially, I started off by looking at how do we actually structure the communication space, uh, leveraging uh, policies and uh, regulatory mechanisms. And so I had a center at Oxford University that looked at comparative media and communications law and policy. And obviously, that was in the 90s when a lot uh, changed as a result of so-called convergence of technologies, i.e. digitalization that led to a blurring between what was media, what was telecom, and what was communications technology. And so that's how I then entered the whole space of um, data, I guess, uh, and especially digital transformation and the societal impacts uh, of digital transformation. And subsequently, I joined the foundation here in New York 20 years ago, which uh, uh, was the Markle Foundation, where they asked me to become their head of uh, research. And the focus of the foundation was on uh, and is on um, how can we use information and information technology to address critical public needs. And so that's the moment when I really moved uh, into more of the social innovation space and really started looking into how can we start using information and data in order to transform, for instance, healthcare or education or development or national security for that matter. And the big takeaway from that 
was that ultimately we need to come up with indeed uh, new information and data sharing uh, areas. But then a few years ago, I really uh, was frustrated that a lot of the challenges that we sought to address never really made progress because we couldn't uh, develop new ways of governing, of decision-making. And that's when I joined uh, 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 a colleague to co-found uh, GovLab. And so since then, we've been focusing on uh, really a new way of making decisions and then using the assets of the 21st century, which is, of course, data, but also uh, people. And so we're looking also into new ways of engaging people in addition to new ways of engaging data. Um, so that's the uh, the journey, uh, and of course, anyway, by doing that, uh, we also become more and more uh, a, a generalist, and especially also more and more um, uh, uh, more and more open for interdisciplinary kind of work, which is why we ended up at the engineering school here at uh, NYU, where uh, we really have that kind of multidisciplinary approach to the issues at hand. Now, where are we? moving or at least where should we uh, be moving? Well, I already alluded at the beginning is that uh, we might have a lot of data, but does that automatically mean that we also have new insights? And does it automatically also mean that we subsequently change the way we go about problems that we have in society? And so in order for data to be impactful, you need to go from data to insight and then from insight to action. The first part from data to insight is really what I call data intelligence. And so what we see indeed is that finally we are becoming a little bit better at generating data intelligence, i.e. insights that can help uh, solve public problems. But still we have a long way to go because despite the fact that we have massive investments in data infrastructures and we have massive data generation, uh, we not always find ways to actually generate the intelligence that resides within the data in a meaningful way. So we, we really need to become more data intelligent as opposed to uh, have a data overload. Now, the real opportunity is then to turn data intelligence into decision intelligence whether that is at the you know, government level or at the organizational level or at the individual level so that you know from this insight means that my actions should, I should change my actions to achieve different goals in that way. And, uh, and that's the real, I would say, uh, next uh, uh, generation challenge, which is how do we not only generate data intelligence, but actually turn that into decision intelligence so that our decisions ultimately are better informed, uh, more beneficial, and uh, and ultimately um, anyway serve uh, societal goals such as improved uh, equity or uh, uh, increased uh, applications of uh, human rights or protection of the environment, for instance. And so that's where we uh, really need to go. Thanks so much for laying that groundwork and setting the challenge for this generation and what is needed to be done and to get into action and to around a decision-making process and policies, it sounds like. 
it's a decent challenge, but a, a worthy challenge and something that we should be looking deeper at at lots of different levels. I'm looking forward to seeing data stewards pop up all around. Um, I think it's a terrific idea and something that should should build a lot of groundswell and hopefully become um, a wave that people can, can ride properly. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to BAU Business As Unusual. Subscribe and learn more at baupod.co. That's baupod.co.